0: Welcome to Two Priests Talking, a podcast where two priests sit down to have a conversation about our current cultural
1: moment and how we might engage with what is happening in the world around us
0: as faithful Christians.
1: Greetings, I'm Father Aaron Wright, the rector at Old North Abbey Anglican Church here in Knoxville, Tennessee. I am one of the two priests talking, and we're hoping to bring you conversations about reasonable faith in what seems to be less than reasonable times. I'm the second priest of Two Priests
0: Talking, Father Nick Hamilton, the Associate Rector here at Old North Abbey, and we are literally Two Priests Talking.
1: See, I know why you're looking at me, because you're like, how do we start a podcast when we've been gone for so long? It's been a long long while
0: it's kind of one of those things that we continue to do. One day we will become content producers, quote unquote.
1: Well we've done it this for this season. We've we've got looks like an eight part, maybe even nine if this is the introduction. A nine part series coming up. Possibly. Yeah. And we're planning on trying to do it every week if we can. So that Yeah, it'd be nice if we could record
0: regularly. <laughs> But again, welcome back to Two Priests Talking. This is not our primary job. And I think, you know, we like to do the podcast and we really enjoy sitting down and chatting with each other. And it seems like for the most part, everybody else seems to enjoy it when we chat. But uh,
1: (laughs) you have other duties. Yeah. I mean, sitting back here right now (laughs) after, uh, well, I think our last one was in June, right? I don't remember when our last... Was it in June? Was that when the whole Roe v. Wade thing, or May, something like that? Because... It was we before. We we overturned Roe v. Wade single-handedly. <laughs> uh, Double-handedly. Double-handedly. Because <laughs> there's two of us. With all four of our hands. Well, what, yeah, so would it be... Quadruple-handed quadruple-handedly. Quadruple-handedly? It took, it took some heavy lifting. We did
0: some heavy lifting. <laughs> but, you know, we sent the podcast to the Supreme Court, and they said they were appreciative for our thoughts, and it helped them make the decision that they
1: did, so... Um. <laughs> this is going to be a horrible season. Um, let me just start off by saying something. Yeah. Um, we've had people reach out to us since our last podcast on email, which we finally checked. We finally checked email. Sorry to y- any of you and who on have emailed Facebook, us. People yeah. have been befriending me, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know if I know you. And they're like, well, I actually found you through listening to the podcast and i just want to say how helpful it's been yeah and i mean the thing that's been the most uh, rewarding for us is n- it's not that people are listening to the podcast and going you know i agree with you guys it's there's been people who have been listening to the podcast and saying i'm really trying to find a church close to me yeah and i'm like there yeah. you go good there you go i it just warms my heart and so whatever the lord's doing through us just sitting here and talking jibber-jabbering. I take no credit for that, but it's like, that's just really fun. I mean, I'm just, that makes me really excited. Yeah. So. Well, well,
0: it's a a gift to...
1: (laughs) It's a gift to... I'll tell
0: you what. uh, It's a gift to know that on some level, the Lord even chooses to use these more uh, disembodied mediums of human connection, like a recording, to help his kids, right? I think there's some real beauty in fact that a recorded podcast can be a benefit to somebody who listens to it maybe months or even years after we recorded it, and I think that's part of where we're hoping to go in some in some ways because we started the podcast just to recap as a means of talking about things that we didn't feel like we could talk about uh, from the pulpit quite as yeah. easily now yeah. we've talked about a ton of things we could talk about from the
1: pulpit, sure, but well no you're right and You and I were talking when we first, when this first happened, when we first started recording, we talked about how sad it was that uh, the library at Alexandria burned. Sure. And we lost all of that Christian, and so our whole goal (laughs) is to to rebuild a new kind of library. The digital library of Alexandria? That is just as rich. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Um...
0: We joke. we realize that we will never come close to that. Uh, but we are excited about this season, and we're excited about where we're headed, hopefully, this season. We want to talk in particular, kind of our umbrella theme or topic is this idea of human flourishing. What is human flourishing? Why is it so hard to flourish as a human being? And I think one of the things that will probably definitely engage with some is this reality that the world around us has a counter-narrative or a counter-liturgy that tells us if we follow it, if we engage with it, we will flourish. But I think the thing that we're seeing is that the world's understanding of human flourishing, one, is broken, and two, when people step into pursuing the world's idea of human flourishing, it seems like the opposite actually happens that flourishing isn't what's accomplished, rather it's kind of the way of sin and death, as -hmm. scripture would call it, as Paul would call it. Mm -hmm. And so we wanna talk about what does it look like for us as Christians to flourish? What is human flourishing? How do we understand human flourishing? And how is it unique within Christianity? And maybe how is it only accomplished in Christianity? Right. So how's life been going lately? Oh, we wanna go there first? I've been flourishing lately. (laughs) Um, I don't know if I've been flourishing. We've we've had a good summer. We had a good, you know, several uh, trips. We got some good time out west, which is where I'm from. And we really enjoyed that. We're back into the throes of school. Our kids are running cross country and doing swimming. So uh, my boy's (laughs) coach is Brenna.
1: Yeah, so we should probably go ahead and thank Brenna. That's right. For listening. And who else? Well, my wife, Katie. Yes. But from now on,
0: Brenna's just known as Coach. So now we need to say Coach and Katie. Coach, Coach B. Coach B. Um, but yeah, we're doing well. I think in the life of the church, there's a lot coming up. Oh, my gosh. We start two services next week. Yeah. And so the better question is, how are you doing?
1: Well, I am still, we had our second round with this thing called COVID. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. Haven't haven't Um, heard of it. Well, it's this disease that came out of a lab. Oh. (laughs) You're
0: gonna make us edit the podcast? (laughs) You're gonna... (coughs) I think that's
1: pretty much agreed across the board now, right? There's very few deniers of that. I don't know, it doesn't matter. I just want to get a joke in. Yeah, fair enough. So it's a disease that spread across the world a few years ago, if you've not heard of this, then.
0: You haven't listened to been, any podcast. You've, you've been missing out.
1: <laughs> if anyone, um, so yeah, we had our our sort of second round, and I still have this little bit of a brain fog going on. So if you see me today, just kind of like doo, while we're talking off to the side, yeah, I'm like probably thinking of like dinner or something. I mean, just um, i trying to hold it together. Um, we've been good, yeah. So it's been a good. Summer. We spent a lot of our time with the kids at the pool this summer. Nice. Uh, we got them into a, a swim team, and so I spent a good portion of my working days. Like I was out there probably three days a week, just working under this pavilion in a Hawaiian shirt, uh, making phone calls, riding. A collared Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I need to get one of those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was really it was a good summer for our kids and for our family. And uh, But you're right, here at church, things have kind of um, exploded, mostly because of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, most of the people at our church are
1: like, especially the new listen. people, they're
0: like, oh, you have a podcast? We're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do.
1: Yeah, we're on six continents. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but there's hardly anybody in this But our parishioners don't know about they it. have no idea. Um, <laughs> which we're bad at advertising. That's okay. I'd rather be bad at advertising than good. That's right. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so we're heading to two services. You are so unmuted, right? I'm unmuted. Sweet. Okay, keep sweet. Going. It's we're a green going, light. We're going to two services. We're going to two services, which is going to be, uh, I mean, it'll be a challenge, but I mean, our space can't hold the amount of people that are coming. And that is a gift. Is at the same a time, it's a, it's a lot of challenges. So instead of being at 10 o'clock... Uh, On Sundays, we're going to a 9 and an 11 service. Um, So that means we have to preach twice. That means a little bit more tea and honey instead of coffee in the morning. Get that little voice box warmed up. (laughs) Do a little bit of the... It does mean celebrating
0: twice. We get get to celebrate Eucharist twice. Which
1: is going to feel interesting, right? Well, if we took the word... This is important, I think. If we take the song, Celebrate Jesus Celebrate, we get two celebrates, with Jesus in the middle,
0: and theology has been accomplished. Sound theology. <laughs> Human
1: flourishing. Human flourishing. Human flourishing.
0: Well, and I think part of part of why we're going to two services is for that very reason, right? Uh, we believe, I think, I'm going to say this, that humans can only flourish
1: in relationship with Christ and His body. I would agree with that. Unless, of course, there's just some really weird situation where you don't have a church and you're living alone in the woods.
0: Sure. But in that instance, you're still a part of Christ and his body. Absolutely. Right. The communion of the saints is not hindered by distance or space, right? Um, But rather transcends space. But you're correct. Yeah. And those situations are difficult, for sure, for people who are shut-ins or the elderly who maybe can't make it to church. And that's to a large degree why we have the ministry of deacons, right, Mm -hmm. to help those people who are in those spaces flourish in spite of the fact that they cannot make it to a physical constituted church on Sunday. But you gave a homily yesterday, Father Aaron, that I I really enjoyed and we had a baptism yesterday and in the introduction to your homily, you quoted from uh, Father Alexander Mm Schmemann. And if you would be willing to read that quote, that might be a great jumping-off point for us sure. in this kind of introduction to what is human flourishing and where are we going this season with it.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Alexander Schmemann is one of my favorite writers, maybe my favorite writer. I like him a whole lot. He's probably your most
0: oft-quoted writer. Well, or Wright. Or Wright. You've moved a little bit away from Wright lately. Well, he's made yeah. me
1: angry. Schmemann. <laughs> Uncle Tom's made me angry. <laughs> 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 of course, old Tom Wright. Old Tom Wright. Um, yeah, sure. So Alexander Schmieman is a—he's uh, an Orthodox writer. He's—he's—he's he's, he's passed. He's not alive now, but he's written a whole series of wonderful writings, uh, books. Um, but here's the quote in his book of Water and Spirit. He says, "Baptism is not a magical act, adding some supernatural powers to our natural faculties. It is the beginning of life eternal itself, which unites us here in." this world with the world to come and makes us even now in this life partakers of god's kingdom yeah that's a powerful
0: quote there's a lot in there oh it's beautiful but i think the thing that stands out to me especially is that it unites us to god's life here and now in such a way that salvation isn't just future tense but present tense <laughs>
1: No, I agree, and it's 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 rooted in, in a couple of things. One is is, um. It's eternal life, right? It's a it's eternal life, one thing. So. The second thing with that would be it's a combination of two worlds, right? The world now and the world to come, yep. And makes us. That's the second thing. So, Jesus even says this, uh, in his and this is the brain fog coming back. Uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Yeah. right? So there's this combination of the worlds coming together. And then it's this idea of being partakers of God's kingdom. That's right. Uh, that we actually partake in God's rule and reign now. Yes. Um, so those are those three pieces. I, when I read that, I said, oh, there's a whole lot going on here. Eternal life, combination of worlds, and partakers of God's kingdom.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's this um, reality that we see in the words of the Lord's prayer, but I think even beyond just um, participators and partakers in God's uh, rule and reign here and now, we also, and I think Peter really does a good job of helping us um, explore this reality, but we become uh, participators in the divine life too Mm -hmm. as a result of baptism. Peter puts it this way, you know, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Mm -hmm. Which for me feels like a really good Definition of human flourishing. Human flourishing. (laughs) You're participating in the divine life of the triune God because you've been incorporated into Christ, and as a result, you've escaped from this sinful, dead way of living that you once were a part of. Mm -hmm. Not that you don't still wrestle with sin, but the trajectory of your life is in a completely and totally other direction.
1: Right. So, yeah, no, absolutely. The human flourishing um, leads to life and everything else would lead to death. Right. It's light and darkness. Yes. It's Christ and everything else. Yes. Right. Um, and that's what I, I mean. I know that you had talked about that first portion. I'll read this and then I'll put the homily away. No. Yeah. But that first portion right after that quote, because um, it was a day of baptism yesterday. It was a wonderful. This is just a beautiful I love baptisms, man. They're great. And you gave a great homily. Thanks. Yeah. Um, So this first part is precisely this thing about this idea of human flourishing through baptism as a way of life. Yes. And if we want to, we can read, um, there's another great quote, I believe, from Shmiman as well, where he talks about, this is something that we're called into for the rest of our lives, but um, I say, uh, at the very center of the gospel is baptism. Um, When God moved towards us by becoming flesh and taking on our nature, he did so through the water of a woman's womb. The Son of God himself, Jesus, was baptized in that womb into our nature, immersed into our likeness all the while maintaining the likeness and nature of God. Mm -hmm. He did so so that we could receive a new kind of baptism, a new kind of life, a baptism from above. Baptism of Spirit, in other words, Jesus, the Son of God, took on our nature so we could take on His. Yeah. There's a, a switch that takes place there, or maybe more concisely, Christ was born of a woman, so we could be born of God. Yeah, right. And that, to me, is precisely human flourishing. Yeah, it is a shift in our sonship or daughtership. Yes, uh, from the world to God. Yes. And living towards him instead of the darkness. Correct. Right. Yeah, and and I think that last part is really
0: crucial. You said living toward him rather than toward darkness. And I think <clears throat> along with our uh, fundamental identity being changed, right, like this ontological shift, we are no longer children of our father, the devil, but we become children of god through adoption which would be paul's word right in romans along with that our entire um we were using the word telos or aim or goal of life changes uh whereas we were once people who were uh centripetal Mm -hmm. in our in our view we were inward looking everything that we did was about us as an individual me 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 how can i maximize what is uh going to mm, delight me the most mm-hmm. in christ our natural leaning should be centrifugal fugal <laughs> centrifugal centrifugal right uh, uh, neither of us done i think neither of <laughs> us are scientists right right but, but outward moving we become directed Outward, and in particular, we become directed outward because Christ Himself was directed outward. Uh, so, our, 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 sh- our shift, you know, uh, Augustine said that we were uh, curved in on ourselves, that we were inward looking, and now our shift becomes external, mm-hmm. and we become people who, in many ways, function as Christ in the world
1: around us, empowered by the Holy Spirit who now lives and dwells in us. Yes. Yeah. Always keeping our posture of facing—I uh, love that in the text where Jesus, of course, Jesus never had a mirror, right? But it, there's often these times where it says, "And Jesus looked up to heaven," hmm. and I think that is the—that is the posture yeah. of something outside of ourselves. Sure. Of always, even Jesus looks up to heaven. Sure. Or I, I love that how that's always there. Like hmm. before Jesus prayed, he looked up to heaven and he prayed. There is this idea of something outside of ourselves that. Demands our attention and then determines how we live, Sure. which we've talked about in previous podcasts. So I think what we're going to do, um, this is going to be a shorter podcast yeah. than normal, um, is what we want to do is we want to set up, in some ways, a table of contents yeah. uh, for this season. What are we aiming
0: at this season? What's Ooh.
1: what's our seasonal tell-off? <laughs> we're,
0: Tennessee plays Florida this weekend. Oh, is that who we play? hmm you, you knew that. I didn't know that. And I didn't know who he played yesterday. But I did read that we are
1: ranked 11th. We are ranked 11th. In the AP polls? In the AP poll. W- is that the one that matters? Mm. The only one that matters is you win the last game of the year. Right.
0: Right. And do you know who that matters to? Not me. I know. But that being said, we play Florida next. We play Florida this week. When's the last time we beat Florida? 2016.
1: <sighs> what about the time before that? time before that would have been uh, 2004. Wow, brutal. Oh yeah, brutal, it's brutal. But anyway, you were going someplace with Florida. No, I was just trying to get us back on track. (laughs) Just having a little fun. (laughs) So we wanted to do a table of contents. Yeah. And what we would like to do is to sort of set forth Uh, this season by talking about these areas of human flourishing that we find are important. Sure. And the first one you just kind of nailed, uh, this idea of outward looking versus inward looking. We live in a time where we are so introspective, so internally gazed that we don't flourish. But we think that we are flourishing if we really figure ourselves out. That's right. (laughs) That's right. And And there's
0: some truth to it, right? Like, within the monastic traditions, within the Christian tradition, the entire uh, idea of um, the mortification of the flesh, right? Like, trying to put to death the self in order to live more fully into a Christ-like life is something that we engage with, and that often involves introspection. But I don't think that's how... People engage with looking at themselves today.
1: No, there's a very big difference. Yeah, when we say looking at the self and tr- sort of like wanting to be in a good way, like I need to take, um, what's the word? Inventory. Yeah, Man, it's weird. Uh, I want to take inventory of my life and know what's going on. That's not what's taking place in cultural, in, in our culture now. It's like a, a we're self enamored. Well, we're self affirming. Yes. No, that's good. Yeah, self-affirming. I like that
0: better. Because uh, I don't know that we always like ourselves, but we've been told that we have to affirm everything about ourselves.
1: Well, we're enamored with the. We're we're enamored with the journey inward. Yes, that for m- sure. M- more so than there's no telos going there, like that should push us outward in the way that people have been processing it. They're just enamored with the process of looking in all the time.
0: Right. Well, we've been told culturally that if other people don't like who I am as an individual, those other people are wrong, not me. And I think, you know, that's an interesting thing and maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe other people just are jerks and I'm really a wonderful person and they should like me just as I am. But at the same time, culturally, we have been fed, spoon-fed, really, this narrative that you are who you are and you determine who you are And you should love yourself just as you are, and everyone else should love you just as you are, minus any sort of changes, right? Right.
1: And what this creates, moving on to our second, so we have this outward inward thing. Yeah. What you just said is what moves us to our second uh, non human flourishing vice, per se, which is this idea of tribalism. Yeah. And even what we would call like a mind tribalism. Yeah. uh, That we. associate ourselves with people who are only like us yeah. and who affirm exactly who we are. The the opposite of that with human flourishing is what we would call authentic community or like authentic friendship. Sure. You know? So we have that outward inward thing. And then we have this tribalism versus what we would call authentic community or authentic friendship.
0: Sure. And I think that one's really fascinating. I mean, you and I even before we sat down to record this podcast were hashing out not a disagreement, a disagreement to some degree that you and I had had on a particular issue and we're still friends, right? We had, well, we had different opinions. Look, just we because we do a anymore? podcast together doesn't mean we're not friends <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but we had different opinions on this thing, sure. but we can still sit down and say, hey, what does it look like for us to communicate our differences opinions in a, in a healthy way so that we both feel like we were uh, fully engaged, right? Oh, yeah. I wanna know your thoughts, you wanna know my thoughts and Ultimately, I think that's part of authentic community. We don't have to view the world. I don't have to be a Vols fan to be your friend. Well, to be in the we, might have, we might have found the line. To in be the in stand. the top 15, you do. To be in the top yeah, 15 just, friends? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know nothing about Vols football, and I feel like we still are buddies. You know, you know we're 11th in the country? I did know that. I looked that up mostly so I could you converse. You didn't look it in. up. It just probably popped up on your screen. It popped up in my Facebook You feed. didn't look it up. What are you doing <laughs> <laughs> um, that's fair. But yeah, and I think that's that's really important because the world says, hey, remove toxic people from your life. Right. Get rid of people who aren't like you, who don't affirm your thought process, because
1: that's toxic, and you don't need that. And if you have to remove toxic people from your life, you will be all alone. <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, well, and I think you'd,
0: we jest, but that's the reality is all relationships in some capacity have tendencies toward toxicity, sure. at least toward incompatibility. Sure, But that, that is the space where, um, where we're going to hopefully move from that authentic community and tr- versus tribalism into this world of what does it look like to have healthy discourse. Right, and this would
1: be number three. Yeah, yeah. what does healthy discourse look like versus what we would call deadly discourse? Sure. And so right now we are, um, boy, I tell you what, we are in a time where we don't know how to talk to one another. Right. Uh, we don't know how to have conversations, we don't know how to dialogue, or have appropriate discourse. Right. We've created, and We're just processing this with another pastor here in town this morning, we've created, a, we've created so many false worlds through social media, Facebook, online stuff that, and, and those have become more real to people than the real world, hmm. and they don't know how to have real discourse uh, social media discourse is deadly. Sure. but we It's two-dimensional. Right. But we don't know how to have real discourse anymore. Uh, we don't know how to disagree and still love one another. Um, and we've really... Um, what we have found is that there's no real sense of, of speech and understanding, mm-hmm. this gift of speech that we've been given mm-hmm. um, and able to flourish as humans because we have this amazing thing called language. Right, Where we can speak to one another and communicate, and man, we don't have much of that anymore going on. Instead, we have this sort of what you what we have said is uh, accepted languages, languages that are accepted or endorsed or authorized, ones that we are forced to speak. It almost becomes compulsory,
0: and so Sh- sure, especially within particular communities. Like if you're in a particular tribe, then that accepted, endorsed, authorized language is what everyone in that tribe speaks. Right. If you encounter somebody from outside your tribe who doesn't speak that accepted, endorsed, authorized language, mm-hmm. what does it look like for you guys to have a dialogue that's beneficial right. that might lead to some sort of flourishing on both sides? Unfortunately, right now, it's like we speak
1: a bazillion different foreign languages. Right. Uh, it's a ba- it's a babel moment. It's a, definitely a babel moment. This actually just sort of manifested itself. Interestingly, there was this LGBTQ uh, parade that just happened. I guess a f- I guess a few weeks ago, and uh, of course here in Knoxville. No, it wasn't oh, okay. Knoxville. I don't remember where it was, okay. uh, but somebody sent me a video where um, there was a, a lesbian group. Uh That was carrying around signs that said "Proud to be real women," right? Yeah. And at that moment, that set off the the, trans, the the, the T, and it became physically violent, like throwing of stuff and yelling and screaming. And, um, but you're right. Like this idea of uh, this sort of compulsory. Yeah, you can't say that. Right, because a lesbian would use the term real woman
0: and mean biological, whereas a trans person would use the phrase real woman, but not, at least as far as I understand, not have a coherent or cogent understanding of what real means or sure. maybe what woman means. Because sure. a real woman could
1: be a man who says he's a woman. Right. Which Within is the trans, trans community. bonkers. Yeah, yeah. So what you find is, is with tribalism, this is interesting with tribalism, tribalism never really grows. Tribes stay small. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Uh, because it, if it doesn't have this ability to have proper discourse, uh, it, it sort of gets smaller and smaller, and you end up at the end of the day with just yourself, hmm. right? I mean, Which and that's what that's where we're at now. Like we're already there in some ways where we can identify ourselves by our own tribe, and it's me. Yeah. Uh, and then we live on islands. Yeah. Um, we, we a lot of folks do this. Sure. And we see this happen, but. Um, Yeah, But I think that's, yeah, that's excellent. And and so we're going to
0: move hopefully from kind of that authentic community versus tribalism into this engagement with dialogue and discourse versus deadly discourse, which I think, you know, part of what anyone who's engaged in authentic human relationship then realizes is that in the process of good discourse, feelings might be hurt, things might be said that ought not to have been said, Uh, actual actions might have been accomplished or done toward an individual that
1: require uh, penitence, that require forgiveness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, real human flourishing is impossible without authentic forgiveness. Yes, Uh, 100%. The opposite of that is what we would have written down as condemnation. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite of human flourishing is condemnation. Hmm. Unpack the difference between forgiveness and
0: condemnation as you see those two things, like being uh, opposites of one another.
1: Yeah, sure, so forgiveness sort of requires, um, well, it doesn't necessarily, like you can forgive somebody who's never truly confessed and repented to you. Yeah, my wife has
0: a proverb memorized that I'll butcher, and I don't know the verse, but it's one that she thinks about frequently. It's like, it's his glory, to him who can overlook an offense, it's his glory. This idea that the person who's able to overlook an offense without needing to engage with it, who can just say that person did that thing and I'm gonna forgive them mm-hmm. without making a big hullabaloo out of it. That's like, a, that's like a good move. Now there are some spaces where the offense was such that you have to engage with it, right? But a whole bunch of our little minor offenses can probably be overlooked. Sure.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I have a good story about that. There was a, uh, somebody who's really close to me who did this um, sort of leadership ministerial test uh, to sort of get just an understanding of themselves. And it went off to this group that was doing this sort of consultation. And the guy that got the information of, of this guy's test uh, was going to send it to his buddy, but accidentally sent it as well to my dad. Um, well, I just gave that away. It was my dad. Uh, I'll tell it because I think it's awesome. So my dad... I always remember this story as a sort of gracious way. This guy, this is the brain fog, um, wrote to my dad on accident as well. And it said something like, you know, leadership qualities, blah, 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 blah. And it yeah. wasn't like great. It wasn't very kind. Yeah. And and this was just one of those silly tests that you take that these church consulting groups do. Yeah. And then the guy realized he had done that and then calls my dad. And my dad was just super peaceful and calm about it. and I remember I asked my dad what he said to him and he said he said, "Oh, it it just probably wasn't one of your best moments." And that's okay. Yeah. And I thought, I like that. Oh. Like that's a great way to handle it. It's right. a really pastoral way like, "Oh, look. It just it just probably wasn't one of your best moments. It's yeah. okay." And uh you know, didn't have to bring it up. Didn't have to be um have all that stuff said back to him had to yeah. be made feel okay. Yeah. I thought it was a really good way to handle it.
0: Well, and his response, which was rooted in forgiveness, allowed for that individual to grow, right? right? He probably didn't make that mistake again, to probably change. There was a moment of sanctification in some ways oh, sure. for this individual where he was like, okay, i got to be careful about how I interact with whatever this test is in the future. I need to recognize that I'm dealing with real people who have real... Um, needs for growth, but right. also have a lot of real skills.
1: And we get this in the language of Jesus, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, where forgiveness is actually, uh, the word there is to also release people. Mm-hmm. And there's a releasing of the debt, right. right? You get this Jubilee language in Luke, which is like, I release you, and this is like a very powerful thing to do to people. Then they're out from underneath their sin. Right, They've been released to go and to grow. Forgiveness, sometimes if we just think of like, it's forgiven, it becomes like this sort of static thing Mm. where like releasing people becomes dynamic. Yeah. And it releases them to something good, right? It's a way of life.
0: Well, and it's the only way that they can move into something good because the opposite would be that condemnation where that person never gets to be free of the mistake that they made. They're eternally bound to it in some ways. Right. Like... If I were to wrong you, and you said you forgave me, right, but you constantly brought up the wrong that I had committed, I would wonder if I had been, one, truly forgiven, and two, if there was space to, like, actually be
1: released and move forward with my life. Um, No, absolutely, and culturally, we live in a time where condemnation has to be constant. And you always have to be making amends for something you did 20 years ago. Or something that your ancestors did. Or oh, something sure. that, yeah. So You're always having to, like, right. lay yourself at the altar. Right. Always. And that's an easy thing to buy into. Honestly, it's easy
0: to buy into this idea that I am broken perpetually and need to live in constant uh, repentance for things that I did years and years ago that I've already repented and maybe have turned away from entirely. Like, maybe I'm not even re engaging with. Uh, at all, but anytime it's brought up again, I have to move myself mentally uh, back into that space where I'm penitent again, like, oh, I can't believe I did that thing 20 years ago. Now, there's a difference, you know, godly uh, grief leads to repentance that leads to life, whereas worldly sorrow, worldly sorrow uh, leads to death. I can't remember where that's at in Scripture. Um, It's one of, it's either Peter or Paul. But, um, do you remember where it is? Um, yeah, I'm having brain fog. Now. Yeah, but, but I think that's a really powerful distinction. There is godly grief and repentance and worldly grief, and, and those are not the same thing.
1: Yeah, sure. But, so, I mean, as we're looking at this board, I mean, there's, there has to be, and this is, what's really intriguing to me as we're sitting here saying this, is that this is what most people who are outside of the church actually think the church requires of people
0: is this like constant, constant condemnation Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> like it's actually the complete opposite we're not coming here to tell ourselves how horrible we are yeah we're coming here and we're worshiping god who has forgiven us and we have been released from sin to new life and when we do fall into sin we repent and we confess but the church goes okay Absolutely. Let's get on with it. Well, absolution. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Go, yeah, well, how does the, uh, um, uh, golly, we, we have that last part of the absolution written on our board in our house, um, and to all goodness, what is the, uh, the language there? I mean, this is truly a brain fog moment. That's um, all right. I'll pull it up,
0: because I haven't been a priest as long, and I don't have the absolution memorized, sadly. I mean, it's, oh, no, my, it's been really hard for words to come to Um. So, strengthen
1: you in all goodness. Right,
0: yeah, so Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in His great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to Him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness. Yes. And bring you to everlasting life.
1: Yeah, that's Jesus flourishing, our Lord. Oh. that's flourishing. 100%. It's, it's that strengthen you, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness so that you know, that, like you got it, you got to pick yourself up and get on with it. Yeah. Right. But culturally speaking, we do not do that. We hold people in condemnation. We want them to then uh, continue to um, ask for Forgiving. forgiveness. Yeah. We want to keep bringing it up, and all that is is captivity. It's bondage. It's slavery. Um, and then, what's really interesting is that we require people to, um, and what we do in that moment is we re- we require people to submit themselves to us. Sure, yeah, we become because the
0: arbiters of for, of whether someone should be. We able. become the absolvers. Right, we're the <laughs> arbiters of absolution. Yeah, that's right. will, will I absolve <laughs> you or not? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and that's a fascinating thing, right? Because there. Well, I guess, and we'll get to that once we get to that episode. Because it'd be interesting to explore the question, are there unforgivable sins, right? And for us, for you and I, I don't know that as humans we can say yes. Now, there, obviously in Scripture we have this question of, yeah, what's the unforgivable sin? And it's uh, to to curse the Holy Spirit, essentially, to say no to the gift of eternal life offered to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sure. But could I commit a sin that's so heinous that you could not forgive me? I don't know, that's interesting, right? Like, or because I have been forgiven of the most heinous of sins by Christ, am I required to extend that forgiveness? And is it a condition for my human flourishing,
1: for me to flourish as a
0: human, rather than live in bitterness and unforgiveness?
1: Right, and of course, this moves us to our last one. So just very quickly, we've talked about this sort of centrifugal, centripetal motion of inward and outward. We've talked about authentic community and friendship versus tribalism. Mm -hmm. We've talked about uh, what we would call godly discourse or true discourse and dialogue versus that, which would be deadly discourse, um, almost compelled speech. Mm -hmm. And then we've moved on to forgiveness and condemnation as these two opposite things. And in the process of that, as you were talking, what you're talking about here is this, uh, for humans is this need to have faith, Mm -hmm. have faith. that this is the way towards a flourishing life. And this is, this is how God has chosen to, to reveal himself to us and to restore us and redeem us. And this is a life of faith. So it I mean, requires faith. Yes, absolutely. The opposite of faith, and this is uh, what the vice would be on the opposite side of faith, is what we sort of called idolatry. Sure. Like we haven't called it that, God has. Um, but the opposite of faith of something outside of myself is idolatry, which is something precisely in myself. Sure, Um, Would you like to speak to that? Yeah, I think
0: the idea that I will flourish most as a human being as I live my life in an outward direction, as my telos is towards God and others, is actually a pretty hard uh, pill to swallow on some level because all the cultural... Um, voices outside of myself would say the exact opposite and because it's so tempting to be idolatrous. You know, Calvin's quote, the heart is an idol factory constantly pumping out idols is not only anecdotally true for myself, but it's clearly true in pastoral ministry. We see it around us, but it's just the way the world works and I think that we tend to see the world as we want it to be rather than as it is, and as a result we're prone to being deceived. Uh, I think about the Israelites. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in our text. You know, uh, Abram's uh, Moses, excuse me, is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, and he's not gone that long, and the people of Israel are like, hey, Aaron. No, It wasn't me. It was a different Aaron. Different Aaron. Hey, Aaron, can you make us a golden idol out of all of our jewelry and he's like sure whatever and you're just like man what i mean maybe it's been a week maybe it's been a month i don't know how long he was gone they've the,
1: what the, from what they've seen too yeah they've just come i mean they've had yeah they <laughs> just <laughs> <watched>. the waters <laughs> have split i mean they have done I mean, and it's like you know what uh we i think we need something a little golden
0: right It's just, and and that's kind of the way that we're geared. So, and and I wrestle with this. Like, I think this is one of those things that I could admit in podcast form and would admit if I was given a homily, I wrestle with um, the idols that the world tells me will make me happy, right? There are those spaces in my life that uh, I really have to be careful not to embrace a worship of myself or a worship of other uh, things, and. One of the things that might be interesting, and we could probably do a whole um, episode on it this season if we get there, but would be the way that we've been turned into consumers uh, rather than creators, Mm -hmm. um, or at least makers, people who make things, who work toward uh, the betterment of creation. We just consume, consume, consume. Mm -hmm. And I think that's rooted in our idolatrous nature. And I think it's rooted in the fact that we don't actually trust God that, human flourishing is found in him. Mm -hmm. That's challenging to believe. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is, ultimately. Like our baptismal baptismal liturgy, our baptismal vows, the theology of the church surrounding baptism points us in this direction, right? We die in the waters of baptism and are reborn, united to Christ Mm -hmm. in such a way that we can now live in, as Paul puts it, walk in newness of life a new life. And it's truly a uh, Pentecost life, right? Mm-hmm. Versus a Babel life. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads us to this space where we see um, the world differently and we see ourselves and our
1: engagement
0: with the world differently. But it does require that faith.
1: Um, yeah, that faith uh, is, is the, it, it builds this constant understanding of the death of the old self. And the life to the new yeah um, and that is rooted in Pentecost it's rooted in, in the spirit uh, willing our life um, but the opposite of that is of course yeah you said it's Babel it's this we've talked about Babel before I think Babel yeah. is one of the most overlooked stories in the Bible sure we live in a time of Babel where we just continue to build things mm-hmm. right? thinking that they enchant us and enchant God and That that maybe even bring us closer to God. Within
0: Christianity, we are, uh, especially in Western evangelicalism, we are just as prone uh, to babble moments as, sadly, as the outside world. I read uh, the State of Theology study, which just recently came out from Lifeway, and I forget who's the other one. And it's just like, man, Christians. Is it Barna? It wasn't a Barna study. It wasn't that great of a study. The state of the state of theology study was actually pretty poor. But <laughs> um, one of the things that was fascinating is like people don't one affirm that Jesus is the only way. Christians, uh, shocking amount of Christians, don't affirm that Jesus is the only way to eternal life, and that Scripture is His word. You know, yeah, two wow. fundamental things, and that I
1: admit takes faith. Well, the question would be. I mean, not to get sidetracked, but if if you if you don't believe that Jesus is the way to eternal life, then why even be a Christian? I don't know. Well, it's that synchronicity. Or even refer to yourself as a Christian. Right. I, it makes but, it a lot more difficult. I mean, well, <laughs> just, by our, the way, just be whatever you want to be. But in right, our I mean, current moment, yeah. idolatry is the norm. So oh, sure, it's
0: kind of sure. like, sure. I'm gonna take this piece of Christianity and turn it into an idol for myself rather than engaging with the entirety of it. And I think that's part of what leads to at one of the later episodes that we're going to do is division, right, and decay yeah. uh, versus
1: multiplication and growth and life. Right. Um, yeah, authentic human flourishing multiplies. Yes. It gives to growth. Yes. And it gives over to life. Yes. Whereas the opposite of human flourishing, which is what we see all the time, right, is division.
0: What? Division yeah. and decay and death and separation. Both And there's a reason Jesus said that the world will know that that you're my disciples by the love that you share for one another, that you have for one another. Our unity as Christians was meant to be a testimony to the reality of God's uh, reality, Mm -hmm. of God's truth, of human flourishing only being found in Christ and Christ alone. Sadly, we in the church have done a lot of arguing and a lot of dividing that has led in in my opinion, to death and decay and separation, both from God and from uh, each other. And that's disheartening, but I think we're gonna wanna unpack that one. Why is it that human flourishing requires unity and as a result leads to this multiplication and growth? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's probably, I'm not sure how many episodes we got through here, but there's probably gonna be a few more that we throw into the mix Uh, maybe less, as we go through this season. But we're excited to talk about it because I think that it's a topic that requires some unpacking. Um, I asked you the question, or just hypothetically posed the question on the way into the nave to record this episode. Why does it seem like so many people who have passed through the waters of baptism, right, and really received the Holy Spirit and professed Christ even on into adulthood, are not flourishing as humans. What is it about flourishing that's so difficult? Mm. And to the Shmiman quote uh, that you read earlier, there's part of me that sometimes wishes that baptism was a little more quote unquote magic, that it prevented us from our tendency toward uh, decay. And and it does, it really does, but I think our tendency toward decay is so strong as human beings that until Christ comes again, it will be an arduous walk toward flourishing. It will require faith and community and presence and forgiveness and thanks be to God the sacraments and all these other things mm-hmm. that keep us uh, in a space where we can move toward
1: flourishing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so there's a, a, a line in uh, an old Eastern Orthodox theology that Schmemann. Writes, and this is a, a charge. It's, and I think this is, the, this is the answer to your question is because people don't receive baptism and the life given to them through the church by God in the way that He writes right here. He mm. says, um, and it's an ancient prayer of the church, and this is what is, this is how we're supposed to view our baptism, right? So here's the answer to your question <laughs> uh, that we may remain faithful to our baptism, yeah. living by it. Making it always the source and the power of our life, making it a constant judgment in our life. Like, that's another thing. Like, our baptism is a constant judgment, not like in a negative way, but it calls us to be accountable to something Mm -hmm. as a standard, as also inspiration, and as a rule of our life. Yeah. That's what baptism is supposed to be. Like,
0: And when he says as a rule of our life, he means like a rule for our life. That when we look at baptism, we have to move and weigh our actions according to our baptism. Does this conform to the reality of what was accomplished by God when I passed through the waters? Is
1: this something that uh, should be dead? or is this something that should be alive right like
0: well, is the telos of this thing decay right or is it flourishing right yeah yeah which is uh, i mean in the moment there are those times when we won't know or maybe we will know or we ought to have known and we will make a bad decision thanks be to god for confession and repentance and flourishing well, or, and I absolution
1: maybe I, I i will push back i think yeah go ahead i think that there's decision i think that we um I think we I think we know the difference between good and evil. I think we know the difference between flourishing and decay. Uh, I'm trying to think of a situation. Unpack we. We uh, in the body of Christ. Sure. Okay. Sure. I think not humanity think. in general. Oh, I don't know. I really have struggled with this. I honestly believe I honestly believe at the heart of it, at the very heart of it, we understand. I mean, I really do struggle with this. This is not like a, a statement of like mm. I really do believe that we know good from good from evil. Because of the residue of the image of God in us? I, I do. Mean, I have this sense that like we know what's right and what's wrong, but I we don't. still choose wrong. It would be hard to know. Like I don't think I it's mean, a shift in educating
0: us. Well, but I think even Jesus' words say, hey, the Holy Spirit will come to convict you of sin and guilt, but maybe conviction and understanding of sin are different. Like oh, sure. You may yeah. know that the thing that you did was wrong, but you may not be convicted of it, and that would be where...
1: Yeah, well, I think everybody knows it's wrong to steal.
0: the th- The thief who lives in poverty may not know that it's wrong to steal,
1: unless you steal from him. Well, in which case, it becomes wrong. wrong. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we sure. all we all have this like we all understand this sort of like inner thing. I I, I just hmm. I think that's my issue. It's like human flourishing. All we 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 all know that we go okay at the end of the day. Like like if somebody's trying, like you would say, well, is it wrong to murder? Well, sure. there's people who don't think it's wrong to murder because they murder, but if you try to murder them, I don't want to get off topic, but I mean, there's this uh, human flourishing is like ingrained in us. Whether we live obediently to that, I think is the thing of the spirit. Yeah, I'd have to sit with that one. That'll be an interesting thing to tease out this yeah. season. I'm not for sure. I'm just going, I struggle no, I, with thinking. I, I, yeah, no, I think and I appreciate, all, the, I appreciate the question. Yeah, don't we all just kind of know that it's wrong to do these horrible things? <laughs> I mean, you're just uh yeah. Yeah.
0: Off topic. Not off topic. I think it's a it's a good question. Maybe one maybe one that we'll need to explore some. It'd be fun, hopefully we can talk uh, our canon theologian Father John Roop into joining us for one of these discussions. I'd like to get him in the mix in a conversation. would be great. I'd love to
1: be able to get our Archbishop on here too
0: yeah so I don't know that he listens to our podcast regularly but if he does um your yeah. grace we would love to have uh you on the podcast so a little shout out to Archbishop we can get Archbishop a whole lot, lot of folks on here yeah.
1: just get i gonna get Joe Rogan
0: that's right that's right <laughs> Jordan Peterson uh, then the church might grow um oh boy. beyond the bounds that two priests can actually care for um but yeah. We were joking, by the way, just with all those people. Oh yeah, except for, the except, first for two. except for the first two. <laughs> um, anything else you wanna say? Just, I think we ended up talking too long anyway. Well, it's good to be back uh, in the saddle again. Yeah, it is great to sit in these chairs. The squeaky chairs. Squeaky chairs, and um, I think I'm looking forward to cranking out some content. Um, hopefully for the sake of human flourishing. Amen. Amen. Um, Before we conclude, I was thinking about uh, baptism. I had my BCP open and then I switched some pages. Um, And I thought I would pray, and maybe we've prayed this prayer before. Um, I can't remember if we've prayed this prayer or not. But thinking about human flourishing, um, I wanted to conclude with this and then I was going to ask you to uh, send us out with the blessings, Does that sound good. Sounds great. Anything else you got before we pray a prayer?
1: Uh, no, I'm good.
0: <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that by water and the Holy Spirit, you have bestowed upon your children, your servants, the forgiveness of sins, that you have received them as your own children by adoption, made them members of your holy church, and raised them to the new life of grace. Sustain them, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit, that they may enjoy everlasting salvation
1: through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Receive this blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. May the sun shine warm upon your face, and the wind be always at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father Aaron.
0: Thank you, Father Nick. If you like this podcast, smash like, subscribe, write us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps us out. We're grateful for you. Peace. Bye-bye.